0: At times like this, I think how lucky I am to be a NASCAR Winston Cup driver
1: and how fortunate I am to have a great sponsor like Napa Auto Parts because Napa understands quality and value and the importance of having a friendly, knowledgeable staff. And it's at times like this, looking around at the empty grandstands and listening to the silence of pit road, that I realize
2: I'm at the wrong
1: track.
3: (laughs)
0: at the track the hot pass racing network puts you at the track with arca and all the major nascar series from daytona to the final checkered flag the hot pass racing network is your inside pass
4: it's monday night and it's time to get rowdy
5: catch up on this week in arca and nascar with news and comment plus you never know who will stop by for a visit right here on the rowdy
1: mag show Here's your weekly radio doing.
5: Last year to come back to Nashville and celebrate. What's it like to be able to do these
6: things in person? I mean, it's really good to kind of get back to having that opportunity and being able to celebrate everyone's year and accomplishments and all that sort of stuff. So um, it's just nice to kind of have a, a sense of that again and um, just be in Nashville, enjoy it. Um, they may be announced earlier this week that there's a probably going to be turning to the fairgrounds, which is an agreement with FMI. Can you talk about coming back to Nashville and racing the short track in in the fairgrounds and what that might mean? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting, that's for sure. Um, You know, just there's a lot of unknowns around that, I think, right now, with just what the track's going to be, what it's going to look like, the renovations, track surface, all that sort of stuff. So uh, I ran there years ago. I think 2012 might have been the last time I raced there in a super late. And um, you know, it had a good event going, but then got a flat tire, crashed out. So, um, you know, certainly would would love the opportunity to come back and race that again. Um, you know, the All American 400. That's a historic race for the super late model guys, but then also to be able to run a NASCAR at the at the fairgrounds again would be fun. Unrelated to the fairgrounds, what was your
3: experience
6: at the national uh, It was good. You know, um, when we hadn't when we last raced there years ago, it was very. One groovish, kind of bland, um, but this year really widened out, put on a great show, I thought. There was some good racing between the Xfinity guys, myself and Allgaier, and then, um, you know, on the Cup side as well, too. I guess Larson snuck up the show on that one, but from where I was, there was a lot going on, you know, fifth on back. So, you know, it was definitely an interesting show and, and one that had been very different than years past. Yeah, I mean, the fans was a uh, good turnout, and, and, you know, excitement was there, so that was definitely good, and I'm sure that that'll hopefully continue that uh, it's just not a one-and-done one, one and done thing, you know, let's keep it going.
5: Kyle, uh, we're in, uh, your teammate, uh, Christopher <clears throat> Bell, got his first win this season, so and if, if he's not there already, what do you say he needs, what he, more does he need to do to take that next step to becoming a elite driver?
6: Uh, man, I don't know. <laughs> uh, that's an Adam Stevens question, but... Um, you know from my standpoint I've I've worked with Christopher for a long time you know he ran my super late model cars for years and he won there a lot and then um, got in my trucks and, and won there won a championship so um, he was close to winning championship in Xfinity too just with the playoff system and, and the JGR cars not quite being perfect at Homestead he, he just didn't quite capitalize on that two years but um, he's got it you know it's just a matter of getting that confidence in uh, in the Cup Series and being able to race against these guys. I mean, it's it's cutthroat. It's um it's tough, you know. And the steps that you take between all those levels of racing is all of those different levels combined isn't the step that you take from Xfinity to Cup.
5: Also, we're in the midst of a major overhaul to both the schedule and the car. So five or ten years down the road, what do you see as the outlook of NASCAR's future?
6: <laughs> I have no idea. Um, You know, the the schedule being getting more diverse is is good i feel like that's pretty cool um just going to different tracks and stuff like that is is pretty interesting having that opportunity to do that now is is been i feel like it's been good we went to road america place was full we went to coda it looked really good you know so um nashville looked good you know so it's definitely worth the while it's just how long can those places sustain that uh that fan culture you know without it kind of dying off we went to Texas this year for one race and it didn't look great, you know, so there's there's other work to be done in the industry to make all of our venues um, back to their prime. Do
1: you think having a spec car is going to favor the big teams early next season or is it going to make things more level like
6: people? Are I don't know. Um, you know, when, when the COT came out, you could argue that the Hendrick and Gibbs guys had the advantage early on, right? You know, so... Um, I think it took about two years, and then the Roush guys kind of picked up on it a little bit, and then they completely fell off a cliff after that, um, you know, where arguably Hendrick and Gibbs, you know, we kind of stayed pretty much with it the whole time. Penske obviously joined in, so uh, I don't know. I would, I would prefer to say that JGR figures it out, and we're the best out there right out of the gate, but uh, I don't know how that's, how that's going to be the case. It's just going to be a, a trial and error process. Yes, um, because if everybody's running relatively the same speed and passing becomes even more difficult than what it once was, you can take a guy that's running 14th and put him in the lead and he wins the race. I mean, that's just it's all for the show. And um, you know that that's we were having a conversation yesterday. It's just the the competition dynamic of there being enough levers to push and pull and buttons to push on to to make these cars better faster for the smarter people working on them uh is way less than it's ever been you know so um there's no development parts and pieces are bought at target and so it's uh it's tough
4: if it's harder to drive though does that help play into your skill set where you make the difference
6: until it gets figured out yes i would i would hope to think that that's something that will benefit myself and the better drivers early on is their ability and being able to drive the ill-handling stuff more and uh, and deal with more on that front until it gets, like I said, until it gets scienced out, figured out, that then the cars start to drive good and um, it'll be harder yet.
4: At what point do you get where you're testing? I mean, obviously you guys are trying to find what makes the car go fast. At what point do you mm-hmm. get to find where your options might be, you know, can I go here, can I go there, does
6: that make sense? It makes sense, but I, I don't know, I don't know how to answer the question, because like, from what I understand, last week at the Charlotte test, there there was such difficulty in getting the car to drive well, that NASCAR was like, go do whatever the hell you want to do, and let us know what you find out, and so, where's the rule book, you know what I mean, um, we, don't, we don't know exactly where, uh, the rule book is, because, uh, things are changing on the daily.
5: Kyle, how do you look back at season two wins, but when I did a deeper dive of your stats, right? You had three runner-ups, third five times. I mean, you guys did a lot of swimming around the front, maybe more than people think. Or do you feel that way?
6: That's, that's more than I thought, actually.
5: <laughs>
6: what are the seventh to twelfth finishes?
5: <laughs> Didn't go that deep. Yeah,
6: that's, 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 that's how I feel like we ran. So, um, um, yeah, I mean, there's think I have about as many second-place finishes as I do race wins, which is very frustrating. Um, but uh, overall, it's been a challenging season. I look at 2020 and 21 as honestly pretty equal. Um, if you look at the point total between those two years, it's 23 points different. I already looked that one up.
3: <laughs>
6: um, so, honestly, if everybody looked at 2020 and was like, oh, my God, this is a horrible season for Kyle Busch, so was 21. You know, that's why after... I don't remember who it was, but they asked me what would I grade my season after Martinsville race. You know, I said it's an F. I mean, if last year was, why isn't this year? Uh, we won twice, but that's not that's not our our caliber.
5: All right, again, d- deeper diving on the numbers. All right, since you look at the numbers, the thing that I always look for you is lap led. Yeah, so it's none. Like
6: Fifteen
5: hundred, five sixteen, three thirty four. Is that? I mean, you like the
6: lead laps. No, that, that, shows, that shows you how fast your stuff is, is when you're able to get out front, when you're able to lead laps. And so that's that's definitely one of, if not the biggest issue that, that we had as a group, was just not being able to find the lead and hold the lead. Uh, I mean, I restarted as the leader probably a handful of times on this season, and, shit, I lost the lead within three laps on every one of them except Kansas. That was the only one that I kept the lead, you know. So it's just... Um, I don't know we just weren't fast enough to hold the lead when we had it
5: and so to mark's question with you and kyle larson being some of the most dominant drivers in the sport currently mm-hmm. seeing your son brexton and his son racing in millbridge and mountain creek mm-hmm. and being just as successful what, what are your thoughts on that moving forward into 22
6: i mean it's been fun just to get out there and race with him and, and you know brexton's been huge on um just w- not really wanting to be a race car driver but i guess he is i mean he <laughs> enjoys it he loves it he wants to do it and and that's what's been the most interesting part is just there was a switch that flipped when he turned six years old and on how dedicated he really became to it. And so um, he's very similar to me, hates losing. Mm-hmm. Um, he's an 18-time champion already in his Matchbox series that he races with himself. So he, <laughs> he, knows, he knows he needs to win. He knows he needs to win championships already.
3: So is there a chance that we may see him pick up simulation racing like racing like you do with Monday Night's?
6: A little bit. We have him a sim rig, and, yeah, he's on there a little bit. But, um, you know, you're not supposed to have an account, I don't think, until you're, like, nine. So we got special privileges, which (laughs) thanks to the iRacing folks for for setting us up. But um, he's just on there practicing, you know, in his own windows and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd never looked at his, so that's quite interesting to see that uh, perspective. Um, you know, we were, what, three spots out from making the Final Four and being eligible at, at Phoenix, and then when the point three set happened, we went dropped all the way to ninth. You know, so we got hurt the worst in, in this format, but um, last year we finished eighth, this year we finished ninth. So, again, you know, we pretty much that's where we ran. That's what we got, so... Um,
4: yeah. I'm your about having
6: Yeah, so early on in the transfer with the, the surrogate, we have certainly tried to hold our emotions down, right? Like don't let them get too high and stuff like that. And so um, that's kind of the biggest thing. But since we announced, we we announced after the quote-unquote safe period of 12 weeks is, you know, so we feel pretty good that uh, it should come come through and should have a baby girl in May. So, um that's been really great just to finally get to that part of it. I mean it's I'm sure it's disappointing and a little hurt sets in Samantha with just not having that ability to carry. Um, you know, she did with Brexton and that's the greatest thing that she's ever done and felt and been a part of and so um she'll obviously miss that with with this one. Um and she even said she's like, Well now I kinda feel like the husband of the relationship <laughs> Because I'm not carrying it, but there's something going on, and there's something big happening, but yet I really don't know about it. I'm not in, intertwined in it uh, until it happens, you know. And so she now she sees my side of the fence a little bit, um, but she's her and the, the surrogate have a great relationship, and they they talk daily, and uh, it's been going good. We're going through that, yeah. We we haven't set on one yet, so. This one's harder because Brexton was easy. We wanted to give him the BB initial, the the same first and last name initial, and so this one we're wide open. We don't we don't have a, a first initial picked out, so it's it's. Uh, I think instead of having about 20 names to choose from, we're on 500 or something. Yeah, I mean, I think the Nashville country music, you know, that's kind of synonymous with NASCAR. It really fits. And so I feel like there's a good demographic here and NASCAR being started in the south from the south, you know, through the foothills of the mountains and stuff like that, you know, uh, it just kind of fits that way. And um, it's kind of given back to the roots of of NASCAR a bit. And so being in Nashville certainly is is pretty cool. Um, You know, we're here for the banquet, obviously, and, and we would have been here for our third season this year. but. Um, you know, you can just kind of see when we went to the the speedway earlier this year, the the crowd count, turnout, everything looked good, the racing was good. So, um, you know, it's it's a good place to be. Like to to yeah, I think we're I think we're a couple of years off on that, obviously. Um and in and in my opinion, if my opinion means anything, if if we are going to race at the fairgrounds, they need to do the track as soon as they possibly can to pave that thing and whatever they're going to do because I'm sure they're going to pave it before we get back and they just need to do it now so it has time to age before we get on the calendar um, to get out here because if you don't put on if you repave a racetrack and don't put on a good show you're going to put a bad taste in people's mouths and we don't want to do that so if I can make one suggestion that's
7: one I would make We're gonna take one more question. As you can see, NASCAR and Flow Sports have entered a multi-year agreement that will make Flow Sports the home of all NASCAR Roots properties. This includes the Arkham Menard Series, Arkham Menard Series East, Arkham Menard Series West, the NASCAR Wayland Modified Tour, the NASCAR Pinty Series, and the NASCAR Advanced Auto Parts Weekly Series. I'm joined here by NASCAR Senior Vice President, Media and Production, Brian Herbst. Flow Sports Global Rights to Acquisition Senior Vice President Phil Wendler, Flow Sports Vice President Motorsports Michael Rigsby, and NASCAR Senior Vice President of Strategic Development Ben Kennedy. We'll start with a question for Brian. Brian, what does this deal mean and what made Flow Sports such a great partner?
0: Yeah, thanks James, and I appreciate all of you guys for, for coming out. I think for for us, what we've tried to do over the course of the last, let's say two or three years in particular, is double down on our investment um, and the energy that we, we have around grassroots racing. Uh, what we found in Flow is a partner that shared our vision for grassroots racing, shared that commitment to invest in the grassroots racing community, and then had done just a ton of work and and made a lot of headway in terms of the trajectory of their flow sports business in the racing sense over the course of the last uh, the last two to three years so for for us uh, we 're trying to do a couple things with with this partnership one we 're trying to provide a service for our fans to see more racing right so uh, there was about 130 NASCAR roots events um, on the TrackPass platform last year. We will more than double that uh, amount of race inventory. Um, in, in 2022, with the, the Flow Racing partnership, so James did a great job of going through every single series and every single property that is on Flow Racing. Congrats on all the sponsors uh, getting correct in there too. It's, that's uh, Yeoman's work. Um, but doubling the amount of racing inventory that is available for our fans, I think was was job number one, and, and we're really excited about that that investment with uh, with Flow. The other piece is we're trying to create a more healthy grassroots racing community. So what I think we're particularly proud of in this partnership is that over 50% of the revenue that's received through this will go back directly to the tracks and and, and, uh, increase race purses as well. So we we heard, especially in 2020, from the weekly tracks, the touring tracks, that we needed to find a way as an industry to kind of diversify that, that revenue model and make it less dependent on admissions. Uh, the media Rights piece was one way to to achieve that, and we found the right partner with, with Flow Sports to, to do that.
7: And Phil and Michael, I just thought it would be a good time to just introduce yourself to the group in the room here and just mention who you are and what you do with Flow.
2: <laughs> sure. Thanks, James. Uh, Phil Wendler, Head of Global Rights Acquisition. Um, and I'm I'm proud to have Michael Rigsby next to me. Uh, Michael, uh, we acquired his company, Dirt on Dirt, back in 2019, and um, since that time, he's really led our motorsports uh, focus and recently been promoted to the vice president of motorsports overall within Flow Sports. My role um, as head of rights acquisition is to work across all 25 of our sports channels to program them uh, 24-7, 365. Um, You know, we're really excited about what we've done with motorsports and flow racing specifically because we see it as a great example of what our model does and not only acquiring great content and distributing it around the world, but also to add the the content, context, storytelling, marketing, and promotion behind it. And this is a a really exciting partnership for us. Um, And we're also really excited at the approach that NASCAR took to it and the time that Brian and his team spent with us multiple meetings. They've come to our office, interviewed our executives, and really understand our business. And so we think we're going to have a great partnership this year. We're excited to invest in NASCAR and be partnerships there and more excited to invest in the community, in the tracks, and ultimately the fans.
7: Michael, anything you would like to add?
1: Yeah, thanks, James. I, Phil, thank you very much for the introduction, too. I think what excites me most about this as the guy who is the motorsports guy and in, in the flow building and the flow offices. is We use the term connective tissue a lot when we talk about flow sports and tying everything together. And what I love about this partnership with NASCAR so much is I know many of you in this room are are huge short track fans and love short track racing particularly, and I grew up in short track racing. And what I love about it so much is short track racing has been very fragmented for a long time. You have dirt late model fans and pavement late model fans and sprint car fans and these various forms of motorsports fans across the country – and particularly when you infuse this NASCAR partnership with Flow now, what excites me so much about it is FlowSports can kind of become the connective tissue that ties all of these fans together. And we're starting to see it, right? Someone who might watch Bowman Gray now will also have a chance to watch the Chili Bowl for the same, on the same platform for the same price. And that's what excites me the most is, for all the reasons that Phil and Brian mentioned, how we will elevate short track racing That's what really excites me the most is these folks who, man, I'm a a huge Bowman Gray fan. I'm I'm a guy that wants to watch the the World Series at New Smyrna in February, but now I can also watch the Chili Bowl. I can also watch the All-Stars. I can also watch Eldora Speedway. To me, that elevates short track racing across the board, and that is what my mission and my goal is, is to elevate short track racing. And this partnership with NASCAR really drives that home to me.
7: And am I correct in saying you can watch 12 races at the same time on the flow platform?
1: At least 12. I think there was a couple of nights this year we had 24 was our high. We had 24 events one night. Um, I, I think Brian might touch on this. Uh, it was 1,600 races during the 2021 season. And with the addition of the NASCAR content and some other things that we're, we'll be excited to announce soon, we should be over 2,000 races on the Flow Racing platform alone. And that's just Flow Racing. Uh, and obviously there's so many other sports that Flow offers as well. So 12 is about half rate. Right. It's a 24, 25 at times.
7: Good stuff. And now I'll just go to Ben. Ben, you've grown up in this. You've competed at the grassroots level. You've owned teams at the grassroots level. What does it mean to NASCAR to be so involved in the grassroots and kind of build up from there?
8: Yeah, I think it's incredible. And, you know, to have this partnership, uh, especially with world-class partners like Flow Sports, I think it's going to be extremely meaningful to that community. Um, You think about the drivers that we're going to, to honor and celebrate later today, um, all of our champions this week started in grassroots racing. They started local short track racing. A lot of them came up through ARCA, um, and it's a really important part of our sport and our motorsports ladder. I think to have a relationship like this, and you know, even growing up short track racing myself, um, which really wasn't that long ago, um, you think about kind of the distribution channels that you had, you know, even five or six years ago, compared to what we're going to have. Um, going into the new season, it's just its unbelievable. So the value that this will drive to the teams, the drivers, um, team and driver partners, the tracks, and most importantly, the fans, is going to be really great. So really excited about it. I know we've got some some great partners here, and uh, and can't wait to see some more racing on Flow Sports.
7: All right. Thank you, Ben. And then just thanks again to everyone from the Roots Series who are in attendance here right now. We'll open it up for questions.
5: Jordan? Bianchi, the Athletic. Uh, this is for anybody who, who uh, wants to take it. Uh, did NASCAR go after Flow Sports or did Flow Sports first reach out to NASCAR when these rates became available?
0: Uh, I'm happy to take this one. Um, So uh, I I think we've been having ongoing conversations that were probably informal in nature going back probably three years or so, um, and have kind of gotten to know the flow team uh, increasingly more so over the last two or three years. I mean, I think that you hear um, Michael's energy as he speaks about kind of the vertical, um, and I think that passion carries through the Flow Sports Building, not saying fl- Phil is not also uh, super passionate about, uh, about racing, but I think we found a, a partner that was as energetic about this grassroots racing space as we have. And then over the course of the last 12 months, I would say a lot of those conversations accelerated, um, specifically because of... Um, the progress in, um, that they've made in terms of acquiring more events, right? So we're a big believer in aggregation uh, from a NASCAR perspective. We want to make things easier for our fan base to consume content. I think that the, the Flow Sports and Flow Racing vertical had uh, kind of achieved critical mass in terms of a lot of those grassroots racing events moving over to Flow. Uh, so thought, we thought it was a natural partnership to add more uh, events to, to, to the platform.
2: Second
5: question again. Anybody who wants to answer this, um, we, we've seen NASCAR the last few years really have an emphasis on and getting in touch again with its grassroots you know, level of racing. Um, Flow Sports obviously has a, a very big presence at that level. Was it was it a big thing for you guys to, to link yourself with a company that has that presence already and kind of help you, um, you know, reach maybe a, a demographic that maybe isn't NASCAR fan?
0: Try not to hog all the questions. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So here's the way I would I would speak about the evolution of that strategy. So um, we the architects of, of this deal, which deserve a shout-out, are Dan Barker, who leads our OTT business on the NASCAR side, uh, Kevin Neville, and Brendan Agdowski on the, the grassroots side. I see uh, lawyers in the back that worked really hard on this um, as well. Um, but when we brought on um, Dan on the business a couple years ago, I, I think we were trying to um, develop a more coherent over the top strategy. I think we did two things. I think we developed a more coherent over the top strategy in terms of direct consumer, but one of the biggest priorities that Dan identified with Brandon and Kevin was making sure that we take care of the grassroots community so that wasn't necessary that was more of a moral imperative for us, I would say as a sport to make sure that we 're investing in the foundation that is grassroots racing. Um, and it just felt like the, the right thing to do. So this, again, this commercial ag- agreement was essentially architected to push as much investment as possible to the, the tracks and the local drivers that uh, need that that economic boost the, the most. And I, I think that that's what we tried to do with the, the framework of this agreement.
7: Jerry Jordan,
2: kickingthetires.net. So for those who aren't as familiar with Flow Sport, is um, for for fans out there, app based, web based. Um, there will be links off of the NASCAR site for, for, for people who uh, want to subscribe, I presume, and, and what are those processes uh, so that they can access this, this content that's coming on? Because they've been used to something else in the, in the past. I can do that one. Um, yeah, thank you. Um, Flow Sports was born digital. We've always been a direct-to-consumer streaming platform. Uh, We launched in sports like uh, college and Olympic wrestling, track and field, trying to serve these tier two, tier three sports that were underserved, and our whole mission is to give them the love that they deserve. Um, So we've basically put together 25 different channels on one platform. It's all available under one subscription price. Uh, You can find it on your browser. You can find it on on your mobile apps, OTT apps, so you can watch it or consume it wherever you want. as far as the links and the marketing, that's definitely a big part of our partnership. Um, we'll be doing a bunch of proactive stuff, also working with other uh, folks in the industry to make sure there's, there's great awareness, uh, as well as the content marketing kind of leading up to during and coming out of the events. On pricing, um, you know, we've got a monthly annual option. Flow racing is, is more of on the annual side, but again, we're going to be delivering 2,000 races uh, in 2022. So when you do the math, it comes out to less than ten cents a race.
5: Uh, Tucker White, last word on sports, uh, Ben. I've worked a number of uh, short track races over the last few years, like non-NASCAR sanctioned. events. so I've heard what a lot of these people have said about NASCAR and what they really think about it. Uh, spoiler: alert, It's not really all that great. Uh, so given and with this uh, news and combined p- with combined with the, combined with the uh, Overhaul is schedule, like I know you, if I'm correct, you were a big uh, part of the uh, L.A. Coliseum move and the new car up. What do you see as the future of that outlook on NASCAR's future of like five or ten years from now?
8: Yeah, thanks for the question. You know, I, I think as I kind of said earlier, short track racing is is really the, the heartbeat of, of where our short sport began. And it's a heartbeat of, of where this next generation of drivers um, that are coming from um, began. It's where I had my opportunity to, to kind of you know get my feet wet and, and begin my racing career. So it's critically important to us. Um, it's very important that we have great relationships with the tracks and you know, ultimately those teams and drivers that are coming up through short track racing and um, you know the, all the short tracks uh, around America that they have the opportunity to come out and, and compete, whether it's an ARCA or you know eventually a NASCAR series. And I think on the national side, um, you know, want to continue to make changes in, in smart and calculated de- decisions on the schedules we think about going forward. And we had a lot of changes in the 21 schedule, a couple more changes in 22 with LA Coliseum in St. Louis. Um, but it's always top of mind as we think about our national series for sure of, you know, where are we racing today? Where do we want to be in, in the future? What important markets um, are out there for us? And then, you know, frankly, and to your point, are there other opportunities for us to explore more short tracks out there as well? And there's a number of variables that go into each decision that we have to make, um, and, and we want to make sure that they're the right decisions and at the right time. So we'll certainly stay close to all the opportunities as they come up, but, you know, again, it's uh, it's a really important part of, uh, of our fabric. All right, thank you. I
7: think we had Bob in the back. Bob Hockers, uh, Fox Sports. Um,
4: the RTA is somewhat in this space, obviously not the depth of flow, but with their Racing America website and the emphasis on trying to stream events, did you have any talks with the RTA and would you, is that something that you would look at in the future or avoid in the future just to kind of keep some separation?
0: Yeah, so I, I think it is a good problem to have to have multiple entrants in the grassroots racing category. So to the extent that there are multiple platforms that are dedicating time, attention, production dollars, not just from a live event perspective, but in terms of original content as well, I think the, the beneficiaries of, of that are ultimately the fans and the local tracks. I think whenever we make a decision, we are owners of IP and and content. Whenever we make a decision in terms of where rights or distribution is going to go, uh, we we look at a number of factors. I think for for these guys in particular, the aggregation was really important. We're trying to make uh, this as easy for our fan base as possible. So 2,000 racing events on on one platform, um, that's easy for for our fan base, right? I I think that's probably what what carried the day. Um, The other piece is just, This is a company that is well-established, a great track record, uh, significant backing from a capital perspective as well as um, from an investment perspective. So to the extent that um, we we needed to make sure that um, the tracks and uh, the drivers ultimately uh, were the beneficiaries of this from an economic perspective, we just wanted to make sure that the the company is as blue-chip as as flow as.
7: Any other questions? Zach?
0: Zach Albert from NASCAR.com. Um, this also just for anybody who wants to feel that um, you know we've seen an uptick uh, of a lot of uh, NASCAR regulars who have, have dipped their toes, um, some more than others. You know Larson, Bell, um, and Chase Elliott trying to trying his hand at dirt. Did it, it, some of that
4: exploration kind of really stoked this this deal to kind of come together, or is that just kind of serendipity
1: on timing? Yeah, one thing that I have definitely said this year, and I think that and obviously you've noticed and the world at large has noticed, is that uh, it's probably a funny way to say it, but uh, certainly short track racing, there's this a rebirth of short track racing, right? And not just for people in short track racing uh, like myself or the folks at Eldora or Knoxville or places like that, uh, but people, I, and I think Kyle Larson has been a big part of that, obviously, right? Kyle kind of stepping uh, to the short track level and doing all these things. So the short answer to your question is is yes, I think that's part of it. I think I use the term connective tissue, and I really firmly in my heart believe that, that the reemergence and the rebirth and the reawakening and the interest in short track racing in, in the United States uh, opened a door for a deal like this, in my opinion. It's, it's NASCAR sort of recognizing how important, not that they didn't before, but really seeing the, the landscape of how important short track racing is and how, how hot it is and how important and how popular it is. And Flow Sports really, and Flow Racing in particular, is taking their reputation on that. We believe firmly and strongly in short track racing, right? It's what we've kind of built Flow Racing on. So I think a door, to your point, kind of opened up because of that, right? The, the rebirth, the reawakening led to, to a spot like this,
7: I think. Any more questions from the group? Thanks to everyone for your time and coverage today, and welcome, Flow Sports. Thank you.
9: I underrated his talent. I mean, I, I worked with him at the Charlotte test, and I just—he's uh, good. Not, he's great. <laughs> he's not good. He's great. So, I mean, he was faster than all of us the whole test. The JGR car, so. He was uh he he's good, he, he's his feedback's good. Uh he's really, really uh he's everything that his previous teammates said he was gonna be so far. So I'm very happy.
5: In terms of the infrastructure of the team, has he had any pointers suggestions, and suggestions on hey, we could do yep. this here, here
9: what Yeah, I mean he's very in tune with all of that. I mean um the people we hire, I I I run everything, you know, by him, see what he thinks and um yeah, we're we're working really well together right now and certainly he's uh got some ideas that we're you know, we're pondering. Uh report today that he twenty eleven bow charter for thirty
6: one twenty five million. I want to say that one point six market on fifteen million. So did you end up
9: paying more than what you Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Uh all it did was tell me my, my investment last year uh of four million was a good investment. So I mean uh not ideal. But I mean, if we plan on being the, for the sport uh, for a long time, then you know we're we're all placing a bet, and hopefully our chips don't get taken off the table.
5: I mean, we've heard a lot about this, but the charter costs have gone up about 500% over the last year.
4: Yeah,
9: so. I mean,
5: is that, yeah, that I, it,
9: it is, but I believe it will. It's it's reached a plateau, right? Because the people that have have needed charters now have them, um, and until there's new people that want to come in the sport. Um, I don't I don't know that there's really any demand now at this point. Being a
3: team
9: owner now, what was your for Bubba Wallace? When well, just a proud dad. I mean, proud of the whole team. And, you know, I knew a lot of those guys hadn't won ever. Uh, they were, you know, some of those guys were germane team guys. Some of them were LFR team guys. Um, just a, a different, you know, some of them were new to our sport. So it's just really happy for the whole team to kind of get that first win, and obviously for our race team it was very timely. Uh, we were working on some things that ultimately you know came through well. I got a sheet of paper that I have to sign. That's essentially what I got for thirteen point five. Yep. Uh, I would be up for that. I think that, you know, I I certainly believe that, you know, that would be good for the financial side of the sport. Now, we don't build our own engines, but I I do talk to our manufacturer, and they would rather develop one engine versus multiple engines. Um, You know, similar to that, uh, if you have 670, you're probably just trying to find downforce in your cars every week and not trying to find downforce and less drag. So you're probably going to spend less on, not spend less, but just you can you can dial in your resources to doing one thing versus trying to, you know, do multiple things. So.
3: Sorry, you're
5: good. Uh, Denny, your t- teammate Christopher Bell got his first win this season. So if he's not there already, what do you think he needs to, what do you need, think he needs to take that next step to become an elite driver?
9: Uh, you know, I think it's, you know, a lot of times they have the speed. It's it's a little bit execution. It's a little bit. Um, I think on the short tracks, uh, he could get a little bit better. Uh, but again, he's he's still relatively new, and we've seen like with Chase and those guys. Sometimes it takes four or five years to honestly understand it all. And and the tough part is they kind of conti- they got to learn relearn something all new again. Uh, maybe that's maybe it fits them, Maybe it doesn't. But uh, it, it just takes time in the sport to beat the guys that have been doing it for so long.
5: Oh, and uh, we're in the midst of an overhaul to both the schedule and the car, so five or ten years down the road, what do you see as the outlook of NASCAR's future?
9: Well, I, I definitely think that, you know, the Coliseum's going to be a big test to see is this something that we can do um, in other places. I think they'll probably weigh the financial model of how much it costs to for that infrastructure to do that. and. Whether it's financially viable to do that to, uh, at other stadiums, if it is, then we could be in for a lot of changes because then we would just have a lot of racetracks that don't need that we don't need. I mean, a lot of them we we don't need at this point anyway.
4: How does the driver Denny Hamlin help the owner, and conversely, how does the owner help the driver?
9: The drivers help the owner because a lot of times the owner doesn't understand what you need to do to to be better. Um... You know, Joe's never driven a race car or, you know, kind of understood it. But he has really, really smart people that that help him, educate him on where they need to spend the resources. Well, for me, I I know exactly what we're doing at one shop. And I walk right over to the other one and say, we're doing this, this, that, and the other. And, like, so that's super, super valuable. So um, it's it's very unique in that sense because, you know, we are building a team. And I've got all the information I need to make it as successful as this one. Just, it just takes time.
3: How do you reprogram your pit crew to go from four five loads down
9: to one? It it's different for sure. Uh there's a lot of things that are different. Uh certainly I think that uh there was nothing but you know showmanship and you know sandbagging at that Charlotte test. It was you know, those those weren't real pit stops. I don't know you really can go off of that, but um it'll be a lot different. I mean I think strategy will Play a bigger factor as well because you're not going to be on pit lane quite as long so you know there could be an opportunity especially road courses where you can come in make a spot stop you know almost like f1 you're not going to lose a lap you're playing the strategy if a caution comes out so there's a lot of different things that you can play uh with the shorter pit stops
5: given the supply and the demand of of the charters since you are a very high profile team since GMS may not, you know, they're not as high profile, but certainly Mari's got deep pockets. Do you think that they are going to level off at this point? Do you think, I think you said 13.5, you were looking the other direction, but do you think that that and and around the 15 that uh, RPM got to each of theirs, do you think that that we've kind of hit the...
9: It's supply and demand, right? I mean, it's only, the the price will only go as high as there is the demand. Um, We needed one. And we, we just bit the bullet. And we, we look at it as more of an average. What have we spent over, on our two charters over the last two years, right? And so we look at that and say it's still a good investment from our standpoint. So, I mean, we could say that, hey, we could sell the one we had last year and you know, quadruple our money, but if we don't, you know, we're planning on being this sport for a long time. So just bite the bullet now. If you're going to be here for a while, then eventually, hopefully you will get that money back.
4: Are you going to sleep better at night now?
9: Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't have any doubts, honestly, we were going to get a charter. You know, teams might not
1: have their full lot their cars month of the season. Yeah. How's that going to change? Will it change anything
9: in how people race? Or are they going to be trying to protect their car? Yeah, own the, the, probably. Uh, my guess is you probably got that from Harvick. Um, but we, we certainly are concerned with supply issues at this point. And what I'm terrified of is that, if we have another semi lockdown and those suppliers can't get supplies that they need to supply to us. Like we're 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 on tight, tight schedule right now. It's the the panic meters it's it's moving.
1: So I mean could we see like I mean obviously you're gonna to go to the call C probably not wrecked to to hard, but when
3: Daytona comes, yeah. I mean, yeah,
9: I, I certainly think when you look at the schedule of Daytona, and I, I just don't see these guys putting their cars on track very much, just because of the there's just not, you just don't have stuff sitting there ready to go uh, in case you wreck. I mean, even with our old Gen 6 cars, like, Joe did not want us running practices, because he's just like, you know, if we can't tear up eight cars, you know, we only got X amount left, like, we're trying not to build more, so um, yeah, it's certainly Speed Week's, could look differently for that, but, you know, hopefully we we'll go out there and put on the best show possible. I'm excited for new venues. Honestly, I think that that's really good for our sport. Anytime we've gone somewhere new, especially last year, it looked like the crowds really came out, and that's that helps grow our sport. Um, you know, they haven't seen us in forever here. When we went to the uh, Nashville track, uh, Road America was a great turnout. It just – uh it really spear, it spears some excitement in our sport that I think is, is been needed. And maybe this
4: is nitpicking on the background. Certainly, you're part of a group of a little bit larger new ownership. But other than Michael, I think I would say most of the new ownership people have been people within the sport in one way or another. Yes.
9: but they've been part of our sport already. Correct. That's that's where the next, yeah, that's where it's going to have to come from next, right? Because, I mean, short of uh, if Junior decides he starts to really want to spend significant money on charters and whatnot, where is the next group coming from, right? Um, listen, as an owner and someone that's really investing in this sport, you know, I... You know, every investment I make, it's not because I just want to give it away and continue my legacy in the sport. It's, it's, I want to know how I'm going to get it back, right? So, um, I'm trying to give back to the sport. And what we want is the businessmen up in New York or LA or wherever they are to say, hmm, why aren't we owning, why do not why aren't we owning a NASCAR team? Like, we have to create that interest somehow. But the moment, you know, in the past where, You've opened up your books to anyone that's looking to invest your team. They, they shut it after a page because it just doesn't make sense. That's been no secret. I think that NASCAR is trying to address that with the new car. Um, we'll see where the TV thing goes in the next you know 12 to 24 months. But ultimately, I mean, if you really want to grow this sport, you got to have people knocking on the door wanting to be a part of it. Um, and so that's where the next group are going to have to come from. Are
3: you seeing it? Are you competing? I mean, who's here? Not. Something-
9: uh yeah, I mean I get, you know, a little information from people that this team from blank New Jersey is going to run a couple, of, you know, whatever, right? But but really truly that you're going to need, you know, big business guys to believe in in the long-term stability of it to ultimately want to be a part of it. Um it and and if they want to start a four-car team, you know, it should it should cost them hundreds of millions of dollars to to come into the sport. I mean, and that's still cheaper than any other franchise they could purchase in any other sport, right? I mean, if you have a, a WNBA team selling for $80 million and, you know, one team in cup, we're, we're talking, we're, we're salivating over it costing $13 million or like, let's think about that. So it's still yeah, it's still not where it's, you know, really needs to be. And I always, you know, I, I just hope that, uh, you know, we can get there and, and really we just want to. We want to. We love the sport. I mean, I wouldn't do this if I didn't love it. I mean, I gripe about it a lot, but I I do love it. Um, Michael loves it, and I'm just I just uh, am trying to make it viable in the long term. That's it. You know, that's that's all the arguments to make is that how can we do this if if we lose one sponsor? You know, we don't need it to be a. Are we going to close down or not? We we want to be stable. It's I think it's pretty public. It. Um, it will be, I'm sure, when we Did sign off. Go ahead.
4: I was just going to ask you, if you take any sort of special pride in the season you had as a driver, considering you were also a team owner for the first time as well, you really had to split a lot of things, you know, I would think, emotionally, technically, things you had to do, and yet you had, you know, a fantastic season as a driver. Is there any sort of special, or do you just look at it as if I didn't win the championship, so... <laughs>
3: Uh, the
9: last 12 months have changed so much. I mean, I, I honestly didn't know how I would balance between the two. I always kept myself busy, even when I was just a driver, but I just, I, I lost some hobbies. I, You know, I don't play basketball as much. I played no golf. Like, I just lost hobbies. Um, but, you know, I'm just a, I'm a person that works. I, I don't take vacations. I have anxiety. If I leave for two days, I'm wondering when's my flight home. Like, I just like working that's that's what I'd like to do and uh, my passion for work is still really really high and and I knew that I wanted to run a business right and I didn't know what that business would be it turns out it's going to be team ownership Um, and hopefully I, I make the right decisions in the long term to make it happen but it certainly was I had to compartmentalize my time I had to make sure that I designated certain days for certain aspects of my life and you know being the dad I am, I okay, I know I've got my kids these days, so these things have gotta you know, set to the side that I'm concentrating kind of on them at this time. Okay, these days are for the eleven team, these days are for the twenty three team. So I just I have to I I'm planned. I'm programmed and that's the way I work.
4: And you feel like that your driving did not suffer. I mean you really had a great year.
9: No I feel as good as I've ever felt about the driving aspect uh, of my career, and, and certainly, um, if you would ask me three years ago, I would have been like, "Oh, how much longer do I do, want to do this?" And now I have no horizon. I don't. I don't know. You know, as long as I stay competitive, like I'm doing, I, I don't know. I'll race I'm Mark Martin, I guess.
4: What the sponsorship landscape look like right now? And are you guys sold out? At
9: uh, it, it's good. Um, you know, we're always looking for new partners, but it's. Um, it's not, I don't know that it's the situation like it was last year where we're kind of just, you know, I hate the word sold out because I don't believe you're ever sold out. But, um, we're in a very good position with both cars right now.
5: Denny, how do you look back at the season overall? You made the championship yeah. four. You, you only had two wins, but you ran up front a lot. I it mean, was our best
9: that? season. Yeah, I hate to say it, it was just our best season. Uh, and the, every number, everything that you could, look at says it was our best season and i believe it and i mean what what if i wasn't taken out in the last couple laps of a few races like i mean it's then it's like really a good season so um you know I, I i thought we were had a great opportunity with 25 laps to go to win phoenix and the race didn't play out like we needed you know it you know the fourth place car on the pit road came off first and that was it you just can't overcome it um in a short amount of time so I was very happy with my performance in, in, in general. I thought that uh, our team performed really well. We didn't make mistakes. We ran 99.99% of the laps. Um, you know, we've that, you know, ranked our last two seasons. We've ranked in the top ten of laps completed in all of NASCAR history, right? So it's like we're doing we're executing really really well right now, and I think that you know, the, the way I manage the races has been working so I'm very happy overall with our season. I'm not going to hang our head that we didn't win the championship because we've, done it, we've been in the Final Four three years in a row. And each year there's been a reason why we haven't won, but it's just we made it. Like, to me, the culmination of your year, is it a success, is do you make the Final Four?
5: And to be more specific and just get out of the generalities, what was the high and what was the low for you?
9: Ah, <sighs> Wow. The high probably was winning Vegas. Uh, that was probably, I mean, a track that I'd been historically bad at. But we had been fast, and, and it was the next round, and it's like, bam, we're going to go. We're going to the Final Eight. You know, it's been another two weeks kind of chilling out before, you know, just the whole first six weeks of the playoffs, like, I was just like, easy going. The low point, honestly, was probably the Indy road course. Um, I knew that that kind of nailed the coffin for us uh, on the regular season championship. Um, Kyle made a big, big run at us, and then we had sustained it and actually started building back on him, um, single digits, but still, like, we had stopped the bleeding. And, you know, a lot of the bleeding was, uh, I, if you remember during the summer, we had to pit on the last lap of four consecutive races. I was like, I was about to lose my mind because was like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, let's just finish the race. And so um, I really wanted to win the regular season championship, and I thought it was going to be down to the wire at Daytona. But, you know, obviously going from leading to, you know, wrecked out 24th, that that kind of killed that chance.
4: Curious, first, first 10 races of the year, you led like 767 laps, and then it's almost like it shut off. Martin yep. three races in the first 12, and then
9: it kind of shut off. Mm-hmm. What well, I think, I mean, if we're honest, that the Chevys just killed us. They they smoked us. They had more power, more downforce, and less drag, <laughs> and that is a combination. that was just too much to surmount, and we started getting the, into the mile and at that point as well. So, that that was the heart of the season where Larson and, and Hendrick in General were just, uh, you know, you know, stepping on our throat. So, uh, they just had a advantage that. You know, we couldn't overcome. Uh they were the last to develop their engine, they were the last to develop their body. And that was that was all she wrote. It eventually caught up to us and uh we we couldn't we couldn't keep up. So um that's what I was excited about Phoenix is that hey, we're back to a shorter track, levels of playing field and obviously without the last caution, me and Martin finished one two in the championship. So I think it played out like we thought it was gonna play out. We focused our resources on those types of tracks. It just that race in general didn't work out for us.
5: You are talking about sponsors, and you were talking about you're going to have to have <clears throat> ballers come in who are the next team owners. Trackhouse was saying yesterday if they need Pitbull to close a deal, he's there. Can you rely on Michael for the same
3: thing?
9: <sighs> yes. I mean, he has been very, very good uh, in the things that I've needed him for, um, more, more than I would have expected for sure, um, but... Ultimately, you know, we don't. It's hard to sell. Say that you know, for X, this you get Michael right because Michael's, Michael's turned down hundred million dollar deals like that. <laughs> we're little, no effort, so it just doesn't. The money doesn't isn't the needle mover for him. He wants his team to be competitive, and he's really you know we're working collectively as a team to make sure that he. He gets what he wants, and I get what I want out of this. And I to have a competitive team in five years, and have a team that competes for a championship in a five years. And so, um, it's a process, but it's you know, it certainly does not hurt. I mean, absolutely, when we need him to make a crucial phone call, he makes the phone call. When you need need him to have lunch with someone, he does it, and that's that's very very valuable. Can you do
3: any need to be like race team to Hornets for
9: sponsorship? Is yeah, we have. You'll see some of that coming. Yeah, well, we have some of that in the works. Any nuggets? <laughs> uh, Any? Yeah. Stuff,
5: uh categories.
9: I it's you'll see some old Michael stuff uh, on the cars this year. That's it, that's very cool.
5: And so you talk about in five to ten years, looking at a championship-winning team for 2311. Obviously, that's where Kurt Busch comes into play with his experience. And his ability to mentor Bubba, what were you guys' thoughts looking forward to a second car team before signing Kurt for 22?
9: I wouldn't have done it without Kurt, that's for sure. I mean, he was the only person I really truly looked at, um, and it was just simply because of what his peer reviews were. Uh, I went to, I had lunch with three of his previous teammates just to vet him out. You know, because I, I've been on the racetrack with him, but I, I didn't know how he was behind closed doors, and so I vetted him out with uh, three of his teammates and. They all unanimously said that he's absolutely the person you have to have. He's the best teammate, and I and I see it now. I, I I'm starting to see why he's got such a good rapport with all of his uh, his uh, you know people he's worked with. So that side of it, and then just his talent on the racetrack. I mean, he's just good. I you know he's he's really really good. And 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 until we get in the same equipment like we were at the Charlotte test, it's like wow, this guy's better than I expected. Like. He's really, really talented, and he's he's the ageless wonder. He's, he reminds me of Mark Martin. It's just like, the guy's still fast. It doesn't matter how old he gets.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, was Billy um, Scott like the bonus plan because of all the work he did on R&D and Chevrolet? It was
9: and huge. Yeah, we, you know, we, we wanted to jump ahead of the next-gen curve. We knew that Billy had done most of the work for NASCAR uh, on the next-gen, so this was an opportunity to put Kurt with someone that he knew, had a great relationship with, both of them said that, When they worked with each other, it was the best years of their career, the best time that they had. And then on top of that, I'm like, hmm, and I can get a guy who has a lot of knowledge about the next gen. So, listen, my next gen car at the Charlotte Test, I couldn't even drive it for the first four hours because it had all kinds of issues. And he's like, oh, yeah, well, you guys fix this, that, and the other, and it'll fix it. And it fixes it. So, like, he's got a ton of knowledge that he can bring Uh, Really, to the whole Toyota organization, but really, 2311, he's going to be very, very valuable.
5: Secret weapon, weapon, right? Yeah, no doubt. So, for yourself or for Bubba, 2311, or JGR, what expectations do you see for yourself or him or Kurt moving forward
9: in 22? Well, I mean,